Good morning. Welcome. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray. A gracious Father, Lord, what a, what a special thing it is. Lord, we, we bless you. We bless your name. We bless your character. We bless you because it is from you every blessing comes. And Lord, the greatest blessing is the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ, and your indwelling Holy Spirit that empowers us to understand your word. Father, I pray that you would uh, just give us minds to listen and to hear. Lord, we have minds that are not inclined to truth in their natural state, Lord. Lord, we need your Spirit to come and to uh, give us ears to hear, eyes to see what is in your word. Lord, I just pray your blessing on this class. I ask for your, your power and your spirit. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning. This is the uh, adult elective class series that, uh, well, I guess we started in our adult ed number, I don't know, half a dozen years ago now. And uh, this class is on uh, Calvinism. We have classes that are on Biblical studies, we have classes on church history, we have classes on theology, it's three broad categories, and I would say this class probably falls somewhere between the three. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, what's in a Calvinist? Tulip. My name is David Schlemming. I think you can read the phone number that is up there. Uh, my email is uh, up there also. I'll, I'll write it at the end of the class. I welcome any correspondence. Uh, throughout the class and throughout the eight weeks, feel free to call me. Feel free to send me an email if I've not explained something or you have a question, and uh, we'll see what we can do to interact with that as the class goes on. I'm a husband, I'm a father. I'm an employee, and I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And I'm his slave because he purposed me, he loved me, he created me, he redeemed me, and he owns me. All right? And I, and I, and I love him. And what, what I hope in the period of this class is we look at truths that uh, bring him glory and uh, cause us to, to love him with a deeper love. The central aim of this class, the purpose of this class, is to provide an introduction uh, to what we call the five points of Calvinism. Um, I, I was, uh, this week it came up that uh, we do not want to follow Peter, we don't want to follow Paul, we don't want to follow uh, John Calvin, we certainly don't want to follow Dave Schlemming, okay? We, we follow Scripture. We follow Jesus Christ. But labels have a purpose, and so what we this is a, a label that's uh, come about, and uh, but it embodies um, basically uh, it embodies the theology of thought for uh, salvation that uh, came out of the Reformation, and we'll, we'll look at that here today. Uh, Class schedule is what you see. We go at eight weeks. 
today, a little bit of an overview, historical background. Um, we'll kind of state uh, what, uh, what, the, uh, what the theology is. Next week, we want to look at what I call the root and the stem to what we are studying, and that is God's character, God's sovereignty, right? A bloom doesn't exist in space, but it exists as part of a root and a stem which draws its nourishment, right? And that's what we'll look at next week. We'll spend a week on uh, each of the five points, which is total depravity. We'll, we'll discuss all these. I'm just putting up what, it, what it's commonly referred to now. Unconditional election, limited atonement there in week six, week seven, perseverance of the saints. And number eight, uh, deal dilemmas. Uh, any scriptures that come up, um, maybe week number eight will somewhat come out of uh, any correspondence or discussions that happen throughout the time. But most importantly, so what? How do, how do we, how shall we now live or how shall we then live, to paraphrase uh, Francis Schaeffer. Class format, uh, there's not going to be a discussion of logic, as I've heard people accuse Theology of being. We want scripture to be our foundation, our primary source. It's open discussion. There won't be, and we're going to have a crimp for time. We're not going to be uh, able to just completely wear things out, but I do want people to feel free to ask questions. Um, questions are welcome. Scripture is authoritative, it is final. CBC statement of faith is we believe the scripture to be inerrant and to have authority in all aspects and areas of life and thought and our understanding of God. Um, so we're not to follow men, we're to follow Christ, we're to follow his word. But uh, we are called on to think. We are called on to think hard. Second Timothy 2.7 says this, it says, think on these things, Timothy, and the Lord will give you understanding. So we think. We think hard. We look at words. We look at grammar. We, we, we look at the logical flow of thought of a writer. But our prayer is, the key is, that the Lord will give understanding. So we can't have understanding of things we think hard about. And it's God's Spirit that will give us that understanding. So uh, what I want to do first... As I'm into this, I'm going to go to a, uh, there we go, let's go, nothing being taught is new. If you hear me say anything new, it may be new, but if I say anything new, I say, you probably, nothing here should be new, okay? I, I don't have that much original thought in my head, okay? Um, and if it is, it's probably not good thought, okay? Nothing being taught is original, or tends to clarify, to define, and really our intent is to ensure that we're talking apples and apples because a lot of times we all use the same words and uh, we'll just talk by each other, right? I, I mean, my election's in the Bible. I believe that God elects uh, to salvation. Those are his. I'll have people say the same thing, but we've got some, we're defining words differently perhaps. And then what I want to do is define what we're not saying, okay? Kind of the... Kind of the to two clarification. Brief historical background. First of all, 
Armenians are not from Armenia. Okay? You laugh, but I tried to figure that out for a long time. When we think of a system nicknamed Calvinism, we tend to counter, or it tends to be countered with the other side is Arminianism. Okay? I'm putting just two labels. Again, I don't want to be a people of labels. And, and once we move on from today's class, I, I really will probably move away from labels and we're going to deal with what Scripture is saying. It's not my intent to do a point-by-point counterpoint, okay? But it's, it's just important to put some this in context. The basic concepts of the two systems are much older than the two men that we commonly think of today, okay? Augustine versus Pelagius, right? Fifth century, Pelagius, he was a humanist. He denied that human nature was corrupted by sin. Right? He said Adam's sin was merely a bad example. It set in motion bad things. But every enters into the world in the same condition as Adam, with a clean slate. Okay? Man is, man's will is absolutely free. Every person has the power to believe or not to believe. He has the power to keep the law perfectly. Okay? Now, Augustine, his answer, he wrote, he said, you know, no, human nature is completely corrupted. In himself, no man has the ability to obey the law of God or to love God. Divine grace is essential if sinners are to believe. Grace is extended only to God's chosen or predestined or those who are predestined to eternal life. And faith does not come from man's free will, but God's gift. All right? And there's a debate back and forth in the church at the time. And Augustine prevailed, but in the, he prevailed in the, let's say the, he officially prevailed. Right? But really what came out of it is that he did not completely prevail. Because really, the, the more the common church thought uh, kind of tracked down a more of a, a, mid, a middle way. You'll hear people talk about semi-Pelagianism. And semi-Pelagianism said this. And again, these are, these are characterizations. You, don't, you can pick apart my words, but I'm trying to give you an understanding. Semi-Pelagianism said this, is that man has his own natural power to take the first steps toward conversion. Okay? It takes God's grace to complete him, but Man has it within himself. He acknowledged that Adam's sin corrupted Adam's posterity. Human nature is corrupted by sin, but not so completely so that he could not seek God or look for God or have an inclination toward God. He believed in a universal grace that extended to all the suffering of men and enabled all of them of their own this is what came out of this thought. Okay, there's, there's different varieties of this, but but universal grace extended the suffering of all men. It, it enabled them to make their own final decision, to be believers or not. It allowed them to exercise their free will. Okay. Okay. Catholicism was birthed out of this. Okay, you you, you see that in the Catholicism with their 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 doctrine of baptism, the doctrines of of ongoing grace. Grace is mediated through different things such as the mass, uh, marriage, uh, penance. It 
Catholicism came out of this thought of semi-Pelagianism. Now jump from the 5th century, jump to the Reformation, Reformation, 1517. Out of the, out of the Reformation came the five solas. Right? Sola, five solas. Out of the Reformation came five solas. Well, not to the five points, but the five solas. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone, Sola Fide, faith alone, Sola Gratia, grace alone. Salvation comes through the hearing of Scripture alone, through faith alone, by God's grace alone, through Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That was those were the five solas of the Scripture. Okay. Now, as we come to the end of the, the Reformation, Martin Luther. Um, I mean. Martin Luther had a debate with a guy named Erasmus. And one of the famous books that developed between them was a series of letters was called The Bondage of the Will. And they debated the same thing. What is the true condition of man's will? And Luther said, Erasmus, you've hit on the point. Everything else, indulgences, vindication of Mary, all these other things, these were all secondary. But the true issue at heart of the Reformation was the condition of the will. Okay? Now, out of that, the end of the Reformation came... Uh, John Calvin. He was a Frenchman. We know he was born in the early 1500s, I think 1509. He was a Catholic preach, priest. He was a Catholic priest. But we know that he developed in thought and he became part of the Reformation. We know that uh, he was invited to the city of Geneva to be the pastor of the city of Geneva. Yeah, I'm skipping a lot of details here. When he went to Geneva, that was in 1536. And that same year, he came out with his first edition. It was called the Institutes. It was a book on basic Christian theology. It had six chapters to it, okay? And over his period of time in Geneva, he developed his theology book, a book to teach the church, to teach a school. And out of and that came to be the Institutes. The final edition was the fifth edition. And it had 80 chapters. Okay? So, things in doubt. In, uh, in 1536, Calvin began his tenure as a reformer of Geneva. And he died in 1564. Okay? He left the legacy. Geneva Academy, a school where the youth from all over Europe came to be, to be taught. And after they would be taught, like a seminary, they would go back throughout Europe. And they took their understandings of the Reformation with them. Okay? Uh, Jump to the end of Calvin's life. Okay, a guy named Jacob Arminius was born. Okay, he was born right at the end of uh, uh, Calvin's life. Calvin wouldn't even know him. I think he was born four years before Calvin's death. Um, but in 1603, he published some works, some written works, and essentially, in his works, he he denied. He said, "I I, I don't believe in an unconditional election. I, I believe that God's election is based upon um, what He sees." what man will come. And he said that he, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, and he said that he believed that there was not such a thing as irresistible grace. That essentially God would have grace, but it was not irresistible. Essentially, the man's, the final decision on whether to uh, come to Christ or not was based upon man's resisting of God's grace. He died in 1609. Lived in uproar. He had students also. Okay? 
he had students, Armenian students, or Arminius' students were followers who had been under his teaching, okay? And they came up with a, uh, and I'm flying here, they came up with a written uh, set of, uh, well, it was called the, it was called the remonstrance, remonstrance. And they made a presentation of saying, these are the things that we believe about theology. Okay? And they presented this to the Dutch Parliament in 1617. Okay? And what they said was, let's see, I have this. The remonstrance was essentially this. It had five points. There weren't five points of Calvinism before this, okay? It was a, a system of thought. They said they had five points in their remonstrance or their disagreement. They said, this is the way we understand the scripture. Election is based on the foreknowledge of God. God elected those whom he knew, those whom he saw down through the quarters of time, would of their own free will believe in Christ and persevere in the faith. Election is based on foreseeing faith okay this is not um, we'll go from this. this second point they believed in unlimited atonement Christ died equally for all men and every man making all mankind savable Christ's atonement becomes effective only in those who believe only believers are saved. Okay? That's the order. Only believers are saved. Natural ability. Man cannot save himself. Okay? Man can't save himself. They didn't say man can save himself. They didn't say man can keep the law perfectly. Alright? The Holy Spirit must effect or provide the impetus of the new birth. Divine grace is necessary for faith in any good deed. Okay? Provenient grace. Provenient grace, the grace that comes before, the preparatory work of the Holy Spirit enables the believer to respond to the gospel and to cooperate with God in salvation. This grace may be resisted or accepted, right? Man's will was not so fallen that he could not cooperate or reject it. Okay, there's little nuances. I mean, they weren't just wasn't just a blatant heretical thing. They were disagreeing. So this is their statement, and they believed in a conditional perseverance. And I'll put an asterisk by this one, okay? Well, let me just read it for now. Believers have been empowered to live a victorious life. But they are capable of turning from grace and losing their salvation. Okay? Now, there is some discussion. When they first came out with the remonstrance, they basically said, we, we're not real sure about this. Scripture's not clear. It's going to take some further study. We're not sure, but what really developed is as those that followed Arminius began to write, as they began to be consistent in their writing, they came to the statement that they believe that 
believers are capable of turning from grace and losing their salvation. And, and not that we're going to go through and refute each point, point by point, but it's, it's consistent. I mean, if, if man has the ability to turn to God, then he has the ability to turn away from God. Okay? Well, this was not necessarily greeted with open arms of uh, uh, joy in the church. The, uh, the Dutch parliament took these things. They took them seriously because there, was, there really was a growing uh, um, discussion in the church. There was uh, disunity. And what you have to understand in those days, that the church... Go ahead, Aaron. I would just say that the no, there were. We'll get to that. The, the then now, yes, absolutely, that's right, that's right. They hadn't been in the red light bulb yet, but uh, <laughs> record that. The uh, the Dutch were, yeah. I mean, the, the Reformed Dutch of uh, Holland, Geneva, where Calvin was the pastor, was in Holland, right? Um, pardon, recollecting my thoughts here. Switzerland, yeah. I'm sorry, Geneva's in Switzerland, but they, it was a Dutch church. I'm sorry. It was a Dutch church. Excuse me. Getting my, I guess the volcano ash has got me confused. The, uh, but the Dutch church was where this was presented, okay? Okay, but that's where the, the students had come out of. So they, the separation between church and state is not what we see today. So to go against the church was to go against the state, Right to speak against, and then you're speaking against what the state believes. So you start really, it starts becoming more of a, as much, not only a, a, an issue of your uh, theology or your relationship with God, but it starts becoming your relationship with the state. Okay, because the state is uh, and the church are in authority together. Um, so the Dutch church, um, the Dutch Parliament, the Dutch Parliament called the Council of Dort, the Synod of Dort. It met over seven months. Okay, it met in 154 sessions. 27 delegations from across Europe, from Scotland, Ireland, Britain, Germany, Switzerland, the Dutch. Um, you know, all all throughout Europe, different different churches, different. Uh, different delegations came, and I've no, I just wrote this. It's interesting. Is the, the 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 Catholic Church was in enough control of the monarchy of France that the Huguenots were refused passage across borders to be able to come. The irony being is that John Calvin was a Frenchman uh, to begin with, right? He came out of the Reformation of France, and the Huguenots uh, were not were were kept from coming to the synod. And they actually disappear off the face of the earth because of persecution of the Catholic Church who, who killed off the Huguenots for all practical purposes. And after this time of meeting, they, it resulted in what was called the Canons of Dort. The Canons of Dort resulted in five points of doctrine. Okay. Each of these points of doctrine had articles of explanation. And they also defined the errors of the teachings. Of the, of the Armenians, of the Remonstrants, why they disagreed with it. Okay? And today, we've summarized these in the five points of Calvinism. 
And you'll see here I put uh, tulip. Now what did I put there? What did I say? I said yule tip. Old tip. Because if you look at, if you go back to the, uh, the monstrous five points, basically they're saying it's a conditional election. We say an unconditional election. Right? They believed in a, 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 an unlimited atonement. And the councils of Dort came out and said they believed in a particular or a definite or a limited atonement. Uh, the remonstrance said the man has natural ability. And the, and, the, and the council of Dort said no, man has no ability. They are depraved in their root. Council of Dort says that it's a prevenient, prevenient grace. grace. Grace must come before anything can happen. But man can respond or not respond to that grace. He's got it within himself. And, and, uh, and Dort said, no, God's grace is not only irresistible, but it's effective. It does what it's planned to do. And whereas Remonstrant said that they, there was a conditional perseverance as to whether believers would persevere until the end or not, um, Dort said, no. What God saves, what God, what God draws, what God redeems, God will preserve, or he will persevere with the saints until the end. So that's... That was the five points. We don't know when Tulip came about. Uh, they don't know when that, when that acronym first showed up. Obviously, it was an Englishman, right? It was an Englishman that came up with it. Uh, but, but as far as where the, the acronym first showed up, we don't know. So, what's in a Calvinist? And this is where we talk about labels, right? What's in a Calvinist? That which we call a Tulip by any other name, would smell as sweet. Where's our young gentleman with the, uh, see here? And you see that's a play, and I don't know what Shakespearean play that is. What is it? Do you know the play? Pardon? Yeah, okay. It's really okay. All right. And what's the, what's the line I'm cheating off here? I'm grabbing, I'm, I'm cribbing off here. A rose by any other name, right? Okay. That has absolutely nothing to do with the class, so. But but <laughs> but the but the point being, by any other name, a smell is sweet. You might have heard people talk about Calvinism. You might hear people talk about uh, doctrines of predestination. There's a book out there. A guy named Lorraine Bettner back in the 30s wrote a book, kind of one of those landmark texts, the doctrine, the reformed doctrine of predestination, and it's essentially it lays out a reformed the reformed uh, theology, a reformed thought on salvation, or Calvinism. Um, you'll hear people refer to the doctrines of grace. Okay, uh, there's a movement in the Southern Baptist Church right now, the Founders Movement. Okay, it's re- re- returned to conservatism within the Southern Baptist, and they will much more. Uh, you'll hear them refer to the doctrines of grace. So if you're on a website and you'll say, a "Church, we hold to the historic doctrines of grace," well, they're just not wanting to have a, a, a label attached to them. And Calvinist, and it's and it's uh, that, that's another word. Tulip, T U L I P, total depravity. Okay, but it, and we'll go. It's, what it doesn't mean is it's not that all of us are as bad as we can possibly be. All right? What's what's one of the questions I put there in the little flyer in the bulletin? Now, does this mean we're all as bad as Hitler? No, no. What what it says is is that man at his core, at his root. Um, is the the depravity, sin is pervasive within his nature. 
Okay, it wasn't Adam's sin didn't create a kind of a bad environment that we all got to kind of work through. Adam's sin corrupted my heart, so I can't see the beauty of God. So I can't see Christ. So I can never be as good as I can possibly be. Okay, be holy because what? Because I'm holy. That's what God said, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, the point is that we fall short. No matter what we do, we're short of God's glory, and that's the standard. Unconditional love. I'm sorry? Commit one, you're guilty of all, right? My thoughts. Okay. Unconditional election. Unconditional election. Well, this is the God of his own sovereign and free and uh, inscrutable will before the foundations of the world chose. All right? That's what it says, is that God is free. Okay? It's a sovereign choice. All right? God's will will stands. God sits in the heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. Right? And he rejoices. He rejoices in the salvation of his people. Okay? It's not a it's not a, a whimsical God, but it's a it's a, it's a God with a purpose. Limited atonement. This is the one that uh, traditionally, at least in my my experience, this is the uh, the point that will people most take an issue with it next. Limited atonement. Oh, we can't limit God, right? We're limit. We we can't limit God. And maybe a better way to think about it is a definite atonement, okay, or a particular redemption. Okay, uh, and we'll talk about that. I, and we'll make as we as we go through. As we'll say that is that everybody limits God's saving work, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, that word I don't like that word, but it's a word that we have to work with. Okay, everybody limits it. Every understanding limits it in a, in, a, in a way. Irresistible grace. Irresistible grace. Effectual grace. Saving grace, okay? Not that man can't resist God's will, right? We all resist God's will, right? But it says that when God chooses to exercise grace on his creation, he can overcome our will, okay? It's an effective grace. Perseverance of the saints, the P, perseverance of the saints, Sure. I would say that God always does His will, and He can choose to overcome our will. That's right. That's right. All men resist God. That may not be a true statement. We'll get to that. Okay. But we all resist God's will. We all, we all resist. We all, I mean, let's just, we're not, so we're not saying that, you know, that he, in every aspect, but, we, but his point is as far as salvation goes, it comes a point when, you know, one of us is free. One of us is ultimately free. One of us is ultimately able to exercise his will. 
And what, um, what we're saying is, it's not us. Okay, it's, it's the sovereign God. Perseverance of the saints. Um, uh, perseverance of the saints. Uh, preservation of the saints. Eternal security. Um, I like that, and I don't like that. We'll talk about what what goes with these connotations. Uh, one, one way I heard it was, uh, I saw a guy wrote, he said, uh, perseverance of God with the saints. Perseverance of God with the saints. But it essentially goes back to this. What God starts, he will finish, right? Romans eight twenty eight. What's the chain, right? Let's, let's let's read that real quick. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know. Can I get there if you want to. Eight twenty eight. I'll read through thirty. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We all now. You tell me. Isn't that a great verse? We all love that that part, right? We all love this part. For those who are called according to his purpose, we like that. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay? That, that is a, that is a, chain of promises right and if what i've heard described if if any one of those links fails the whole promise is gone right it ain't for your good no matter how anything happens it's not going to be for your good if he does not complete every one of those links all the way to the end and glorify you in the sense of by bringing him into his glory so perseverance of the saints and we'll, we'll talk about that why why are we what we believe in that and what we what we don't believe in that. We'll talk about that. Uh, let, let me put uh, one more let me put one more acronym up here that I, I read this week and I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, grace is. Here's, here's another acronym. Grace is. Okay? Is another way to think about these five points. Grace is the gospel. Okay. Grace is obligatory. Okay. Grace is obligatory because we are corrupted. I mean, it, it has to be grace. It's, it's you know, it, it's, it's obligatory. It has to be grace. It has to be grace to bring, a, bring us to God. Grace is sovereign, right? Grace is sovereign in its choosing, or in God choosing in its grace. Don't spec, don't check my spelling, okay? It's always hard to do spelling when you're right there. Grace is particular. It is particular in its redemption, okay? God is a God who saves. I think that's what your handout doesn't say at the bottom of it. Okay? But God is a God who saves. God saves sinners. 
He doesn't come up short. He doesn't hope to save sinners. God saves sinners. And His grace is particular in His redemption. His redemption is effective. It redeems a people. And it's effectual. Grace is effectual in its operation. Okay? When God's grace operates on you, it is effective. It will not return void. God will see to it that his will is done and his joy and it brings glory to himself. And God's grace is lasting in its effectiveness. It will see us home until the end. It will see Barbara Crandall home through her pain and her infection. Grace, her faith, when she wakes up tomorrow morning, her faith will not fail. No matter how much pain, how hopeless, her faith will not fail because God's grace is lasting. Right? Today's landscape. Okay, so we've got these two sides and people in between, right? If you want to put labels to the Armenian side, you would traditionally have your Methodist. You would have your Seventh-day Adventist. You would have your uh, Church of Christ. You would have your Mennonites. You would have your Salvation Army. That's a church. It's not just a bunch of guys with kettles. Um, but, but these are people who would say, we are Arminian through and through. Okay? Probably, I've left people out. I'm not, it's not the point. Just to give you a flavor. Okay? The Calvinists. The Calvinists today, who are the, you know, who, when you go to their statement of faith and it's just so un, unambiguous, traditionally it's your, your Presbyterian, your conservative Presbyterian churches, your Reformed churches. If you see Reformed that will usually not be a Wesleyan or an Arminian type of church, but it'll, it'll fall on the points of Calvinism. Uh, some of your, uh, your Baptists will take different strains. Traditionally, your Baptists, you'll see, if you see a, it says Free Will Baptist Church, well, they're, they're probably over here in the Arminian camp, right? Uh, the General Baptist. But within the Southern Baptist movement, there was a real movement to move back toward their historic roots of Calvinism. Okay? Some of your Bible churches are strongly Calvinistic. Uh, I don't know of any Bible churches that would fall into the Arminian brand. Um, some churches don't really take a strong stand in the way. If you read our statement of faith, it is Calvinistic. But it will not go through T-U-L-I-P. It won't just nail them out and say it. But it's, but it's Calvinistic right, in its flavor. And we'll, we'll look at that as we go through it. Um, now, those are statements of faith and creeds. I would say that our our nature really pushes back against that. Okay, we want to be captain captain of our destinies. That's that's our that's that's our our that's our nature, right? Look at the fruit. Right, you too. You can be like God. Right? That's that's that was a, that was the old that was the original temptation. Okay, so our we most of us really like this one though. This is a good one, right? Um, 
most of us don't have any real problem with that in a, in a label, in our, no problem. Just I'm just not as bad as the next guy. Um, we might struggle with this, but I believe so. I'm elected, so we can you know put through there and. Uh, this one, I mean, I, we'll, we'll work through the limited atonement, but that's uh, um, that's a big that's a big stone to step over, step on. Uh, irresistible grace, okay, and I think that goes right there with uh, the atonement, whether we realize it or not. Is it? Is a lot of people? It's in practice we believe that you know we can. Is, is God really in charge? So that's where we are today. Is where we ended up. Next week we'll. Uh, Next week, well, next week, what we'll do, if you look at the outline that I handed out for the eight weeks, you'll see we'll look at the, uh, the, I call the root and the stem. We'll spend a week, we're going to look at the character and the sovereignty of God. Okay, we need to establish that. And just look at who God is, who his word says he is. Okay, and then we'll go and look at each of the, uh, the points. Um, any questions today? Bill? Yeah, you know, the, the, that's a good point. We're going we're to talk about it. Yeah, you know, Pentecostals would be there, but, you know, talking about emotion. But, and again, a, a lot of it is, uh, you're, on paper, people might hold the one thing. Okay? But it's in practice. What, what, what are we doing? How do we talk? How do we think? And that's, that's, that's okay. We'll work through that. But you're right. And I, I grew up in... Uh, I grew up in a church where, you know, no less than seven stanzas of Just As I Am twice a year when we had the revival, right? right? And if we weren't revived enough, we went for stanza number eight. So, guys, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't, didn't pop out of the womb in this manner of thought. We'll talk about it next week. I, this is something that I, I came to, and, and I've got my own history, and, it's, and, it's a, and it's a, it was a sweet and humbling thing to me as I came to see these truths in God's Word. Um, any other questions real quick? My email is D, you can come see me if it's dschlemmy at raymondconstruction.com. Feel free to email if you've got any questions. And let's pray. Okay. Our gracious Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you for your Bible. You didn't leave us without, uh, without a witness to you. We thank you for your spirit that does dwell within us and gives us understanding of your word. Lord, I pray that we would uh, be faithful to your word, that we would submit ourselves to it, and that uh, we would uh, endeavor to think hard about what uh, the truth is. And then we would be honest, Lord, that I would be honest, these folks would be honest, and we would submit ourselves to your word and whatever is in it. Lord, I pray your blessing on the week to come. Might we live in a way that glorifies you. I pray that we would live in a way that would draw people to yourself, that they would see the beauty of Christ in our lives. Lord, I pray that you be with Bob today as he speaks, or the speaker, and that we would be attentive. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.